Hey, Donnie here. I wanted to tell you about Champions 90. Champions 90 isn't a workout routine or a fitness routine. This is about you transforming your life mentally, giving yourself an upgrade while you build to business freedom. Champions 90 is about you getting quiet with your thoughts, staying focused on building your business and getting you to freedom. Come join the challenge at champions90.com. All right, guys, strap it in. This is going to be another fun one. I'm bringing on Derek Furlow, and this dude has got a killer story of being a kind of an elite athlete through high school and college and then start chasing his dreams. Um, and now he's really, really doing some cool things off the field and to, to help others that all they've known is sports, and that's always been their life. It is a killer, killer episode. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. So as all of our episodes, you know, they're brought to you because of Point Blank Safety Services. What an amazing company that is doing some just killer and awesome things for police officers and their families, you know, not just regards to, to helping them, you know, get additional income for their household, but he's given them an opportunity to find themselves in a safer light, protecting our freeways, our buildings, and our offices. You know, it's, I just love everything about this company and what they're doing to help police officers out. And then they launched Course Blue Family Fund and all the things that they're doing to support the families of fallen officers. Um, you know, it's such a tragic thing when, when an officer is killed in the line of duty and, and what they're able to do to help the families out is just amazing with their organizations. Guys, do me a favor. Go check out Point Blank Safety Services and and show them some love and support and all their social media. And and then if it's in your heart, you know, go check out blue family fund and look into it, give to them and help them out, help the ones that keep us safe and protect us all day long. And then man, this weekend I had a quick little barbecue at my house and the, my beautiful wife went to the store. She grabbed a couple bags of ice and we loaded up our Icy Tech cooler, set it up on my outdoor kitchen, and we were out there for, I don't know, 12 hours, you know, with the cooler in the Texas heat. And let me tell you, every drink that came out of that cooler, whether it was, you know, water, sangria, beer, whatever, was the coldest it has ever been. Been. It is amazing. It's it's almost like when you pull your drinks out of this cooler that it was been sitting in the snow in Antarctica. I mean, it's just a killer thing to have. So if you're looking for a badass cooler that that will hold up to the wear and tear, keep your stuff cold, and is half the cost of some of the big name coolers out there, I promise you, Icy Tech Coolers is the absolute cooler you need. So do me a favor, head over to icy-tech.com, use the code SUCCESS, and you'll get $25 off of your next purchase. That's icy-tech.com, use the code SUCCESS, and you will get, like I said, $25 off your cooler. Now, here comes Derek.
All right, guys, I am stoked about this one. Um, I talked to Derek a couple times already, and dude's just got a cool vibe. He's got amazing hair that, that I'm a little bit jealous of, and I'm going to give him hell about the entire show. <laughs> but I'm bringing in Derek Furlow Jr. I got it all out. Holy hell, that's a name. Um, but I'm Donnie Bovine. This is Donnie Success Champion. Derek, my brother, welcome to the show, man. Please tell us your story. Man, thanks for having me on, Donnie. And, man, my, my, my story is um, it's probably just like every other story out here. I'm, I'm a, I was a kid growing up in Southwest Atlanta, being raised by a single mom. And um, being in Southwest Atlanta, I'm not sure for those folks who visit Atlanta a lot, y'all might go to Lenox, but um, you you in the commercial part of Atlanta. I'm in the Southwest part of Atlanta where um, you got drug dealers on every corner, police sirens going off every single time and, and, and violence all around you. So growing up, uh, my mom, we moved around a lot. I found myself going to a different elementary school almost every other year. So we was always going from one spot to the next. And that, when I was young, you know, I didn't really get it. I just thought we moved around so much and I didn't like it because by the time I would make friends, we would be moving again. So it got to the point I got real good at making friends. And finally, as I got a little bit older and, and times got tough, I remember Christmas times would come around and most Christmas for most people come in December. Well, my Christmas normally came in January, February, when taxes came back. <laughs> and, right. I mean, we literally start shopping on my birthday in September, and we put stuff on layaway. And you make payments on it until you get it off, but most of the time, Christmas wasn't going to come, and we weren't going to get it off layaway until, Christmas, until tax time came around. So that was my young childhood growing up. And I didn't know how bad it was, but I just knew I, I, I wanted more. I wanted better. I knew I could be more, do more, have more. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get, go about getting it. And I remember at one point in time, I asked my mom, I used to ask my mom for a lot of stuff when I was younger. And um, at one point she said no, she said it a lot, but I was old enough to understand what no meant. And at this moment, that's when I said, I, I won't ask for anything else. Cause I realized it was hurting her more to say no than it was hurting me to actually hear no. Right. And something just kind of stirred my pot at that, at that young age, man. So. We was fortunate enough that my mom moved us out of the city of Atlanta down to this place called Griffin, Georgia. Um, by the time I was getting in middle school and we get down there, she had a chance to meet what's today her husband. And I started seeing life change for the better. And at that moment, I knew that there was hope for me. I just wasn't sure what it was gonna come from, but I just remember being mad, disappointed, angry with my life. I couldn't control it, but I knew there was hope when I seen my mom um, in a situation where we can be raised in a, in, a, in a somewhat better environment. And at this point, I go through um, middle school and I get a chance to play organized sports across the board, um, football, basketball. And prior to that, I couldn't really do it. I play outside in the street because we couldn't afford it. I had a chance to play rec park, and rec park and recreations one year. And man, at that point, I'm like, all right, this sports thing was kind of, was kind of fun. So I go to high school that following year, and at this point, I start to open up because I didn't really open up too much because I wasn't sure how long we was going to be staying there. Most of the time, we get to a place, we move within the next two years, so I got tired of opening up as I got older, but now we get to Griffin. We have been there three, four years, so I'm like, okay, I guess we're going to be here for a while now, so I started to open up, and by the time I got to high school, I, I realized it was time for me to, 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 to grow up and, and be in control of my own happiness, right? I just didn't know how it looked. So, at this point, I said, well, if I'm going to be in control of my happiness. I got a couple options. Now, I'm not sure where everybody, where, where, where you from, Danny, but where I'm from, 
um, in, in my hood, you can either be a rapper, you can sell drugs, or you can play sports. Well, that's what it looked like to me. So the whole rapping deal, I was pretty good with words down there. I just didn't think the record deal was going to come through for me. So I figured that might not be the route for me. Plus, you had a million people trying to rap. So, you know, my eyes were kind of slim. The whole selling drugs, it didn't make sense to me because I seen a lot of guys that were better than me at sports blow the opportunities because they got busted selling drugs. So that never really made sense to me. So at this point, I'm like, well, I guess sports are kind of be the vehicle for me. Maybe. I'm just not sure which sport. So my freshman year come, I had a chance to play basketball, run track, play football. And the coaches were like, hey, this kid kind of good. Well, I didn't really know it because you know, I just played outside in the in, in, in park in, in, on the concrete and on the pavement, and I didn't really want to get tackled. So I got really good at avoiding people because we hit <laughs> on, the, on, on the concrete. So at this point, coach is like, oh, this kid can be pretty good. So I'm starting to like, okay, you know what? I can, I can play sports. So I'm starting to get some confidence. And at this moment, my stepdad get a notification that he's going to be getting a raise. So now things are really getting good. Well, they didn't tell us with that raise in this promotion came a move. Well, come to find out. This move, he was working for Georgia Pacific at the time. Their headquarters is in Atlanta. They was transferring him to Crossit, Arkansas. Now, I'm not sure about you, Donnie, but growing up in Southwest Atlanta, I couldn't park Arkansas out on the map, let alone Crossit. <laughs> so I got this problem. I'm like, I ain't trying to go to Arkansas. So now I reach out to my stepmom and my dad and see, can I move with them? My dad had uh, another family. And um, of course, the answer was no. So. I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm upset, I'm frustrated. I finally come into my own element, becoming who I am uh, in high school, and then we got up and move. So the house finally sells, we moved to Arkansas, and at that moment, I'm even madder, I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. But that particular move turned out to be a blessing in disguise on the front end, because shortly after we moved, I had my cousin and my best friend these guys didn't really know each other, but I was hanging with one of the two majority of the time. And my best friend ended up getting called in a shootout and um, gets charged with two counts of murder. Mm. So he's taken away by the feds. My cousin happened to be caught up in an armed robbery. He gets took away, did 10 years. I just so happened to be removed from the situation because of a move to Arkansas, a place I really didn't want to go and a place I was trying to keep from going. So that was the first blessing in the skies for me. So now I get to Arkansas, and man, it was a culture shock. I would head from a place that got the concrete jungle that's not New York but Atlanta, and I go to a place that got like three red lights and a stop sign, Donnie. <laughs> and it, it wasn't for me. Like, I could literally go get clothes, get CDs when CDs was a thing in Atlanta, and they won't come out into Arkansas for about a year later. <laughs> like, that's how far behind it was. So. Now I'm in Arkansas, and I'm like, all right, something got to give. And it came to the point where I realized if it was to be, it was up to me because I was sitting there mad, angry, frustrated at my mom for having um, us move to Arkansas, mad at my stepdad for accepting it. However, I had to realize, man, they was doing their best job to put us in the best situation to have the best life. And how am I going to be mad at her? Because she was doing the best thing that she could be doing to, to raise me. So it really wasn't her problem. It was my problem. And if I wanted to make a, life, a better life, have a better life, it was time for me to do the things I need to be doing to take control of my own happiness. And that's when I said, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, I got to get out of Arkansas. So I came up with this get out of Arkansas plan. So I'm there, and 
since I figured sports was going to get me out of Arkansas, I figured, well, I'm not sure which sports going to do it. So I, I, I get there my first year, and I'm on the football team. We had a chance to make an impact with nothing major, but I seen an opportunity there. Basketball season roll around. We're on the basketball team. Of course, Christmas break comes up. Everybody in my family is going back to Atlanta. So, Donnie, guess what we're doing? We're going back to Atlanta, too. Well, I come back from Atlanta, Donnie, and sure enough, the coach said, hey, you missed practice and you missed a game, so you got to run 500 bleachers before you can get back on the team. And Donnie, I told coach, I ain't like basketball that much. And that was my last time playing organized basketball in my life. <laughs> so now basketball is out the window. Is there any correlations of, you know, running, playing football on the, on the asphalt and running on that hard-ass court? I mean, you know, either way, you don't want to get caught. <laughs> right. You definitely don't want to get caught. Except for my, my, my jump shot wasn't the best. I'm like, defense, get a <laughs> layup. So I knew, I knew what I was good at, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? You can have that one, man. Um, <laughs> nah, I, I felt like it wasn't in my favor anyway. So that left me with football and track. So track season come around. And uh, I realized I really didn't like track. Track felt like punishment to me. So now, this get out of the Arkansas plan, it was narrowed down to just playing football by default. So now I'm there. I had heard of this guy by the name of Darren McFadden. He had committed to the University of Arkansas his sophomore year. So I went and looked up what he had achieved. And I said, you know what? This is going to be my get out of Arkansas plan. So I put together me a game plan. And the whole bigger picture of this game plan was to take the school to the state championship, Kept the school go undefeated. The school had never really been put on the map at all or the city for being a powerhouse in football. I can do that by rushing for 2,200 yards, 20 touchdowns, and that's going to give me some attention. That's going to get some school, the school some attention. That's going to get me recruited. I'm going to go give me a full ride to the University of Georgia. So I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to give me a full ride, and I'm going back to Georgia, and I'll leave this place in good standing when I leave. So that was my get out of Arkansas plan, right? It sounded great. So my junior year come. And sure enough, man, I had never made a plan like this in my life, but I was determined to make it happen. And it was pretty cool to see my teammates buy in, even though I'm not sure what they was buying into. They just were buying into the, the thought process of, of winning, I guess. I'm not really sure, <laughs> but I had a big motive to get out of Arkansas. So anything that was in the way of me getting out of Arkansas, it, it didn't stand a chance. So we opened up the season, first couple games, we end up 3-0, which is, the school hadn't been off to a hot start like that, um, but like a couple times before. Couple more games in, we five and zero. So now the school started to get a little attention because they're five and zero, first time in school history. Couple more games in, we eight and zero. And now in my head, I'm like, this get out of Arkansas plan coming together, and the school's starting to get some attention. I'm starting to get some letters in the mail, right? Now we get to the end of the season, we end the season ten and zero, first time in school history, end of the season undefeated. So now I'm feeling myself. I'm like, this get out of Arkansas plan coming together. The city is rallying, or town, village, whatever you want to call it. I wouldn't say city. Um, but so you had three cars pull up the Friday night. What is that? <laughs> I said you had three cars pull up to the Friday night game. <laughs> right, 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 right. Hey, so it's, 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 the, the, the place is, 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 is lively. So we got three playoff games before we get to the state championship game. The first game we play, I think, a school called Mor Morrell or Morton. Morton. It was in Northwest Arkansas, somebody in Northeast Arkansas. Pretty good team. Close game on the front end. And we am getting it done in the fourth quarter. So now we're 11-0. Two games left. I'm like, yes, this thing coming together. We played this team called Win. They are spread offense. They spread us out. It was a pretty tough game, but we ended up getting it done in the fourth quarter. So we we rocking and rolling. We 12 and 0. We two games away from the state championship. I'm getting the letters in the mail, the school getting attention. This this get out of Arkansas plan coming together, and this thing's gonna take one year for me to get out of Arkansas. I'm like, it's done. So the third game in, we play in a team called Bologna, and man, they in central Arkansas and 
this might have been the coldest game I ever played in my life. We drive up there on these buses, we get off the field, and when we get off the field, then I think we was playing in the middle of a cow pasture, man. <laughs> the grass like seven feet high, the field wet. It hadn't rained in months, but the field is wet. I have no idea how that happened. It's so muddy. We get out there, man. We we tackling ourselves. I don't think they had any tackles because we couldn't turn and run. Every time we try to turn around, we fall. So they out there playing two hand touch, and we out there falling every time we get the ball. Some mysterious rate, way they was able to take, cut, turn, run, and score. So they end up going up 14-0 for the first half. We end up finally scoring 14-7. They end up going up 21-7. Game ends. We lose the game. 21-7. Get out of Arkansas playing crash burn. We back to the drawing board because um, we didn't get it done. However, I realized we did get some attention. The school was starting to be recognized. I had letters coming in. So to get out of Arkansas playing had started to work. And this is my first plan I ever had in my life. Like, I didn't even know what a plan was. So going into the offseason, that summertime, you're getting letters in the mail. And next thing you know, I get these things called visits. So I'm like, oh, okay, visits. So I got some small schools, some D1AA schools. And then I got some big schools like, like Ole Miss and, and, and Arkansas and stuff like that. So I'm starting to go on all these visits to these big D1 schools because I'm getting these letters in the mail. All the small ones, after I visited – University of Louisiana, Monroe, or something like that. I got some other letters from smaller places. I just told them, you know, I ain't coming there because I'm going back to Georgia. So I start burning bridges like instantly. I'm like, yep, don't worry about it. I ain't coming there, so I ain't coming. Don't, don't worry. You can keep that. I'm not coming. So I'm burning these bridges on all these small schools, all the big schools. I'm going on these visits just to see it because I'd never been recruited like that. I didn't even know what the process was like. So I visited these schools, and I had a chance to go to Georgia that summertime probably about at least four or five times. So – me and Coach Rucker got on the first name basis. He was a running back coach there in high school. I played running back in safety. So I had this feeling I was going to be playing running back at the University of Georgia. That's, that's what my mind was already made up. And um, we go into the summer camp with the, the last couple of weeks of summer. And I go, I get this call when I'm in the weight room working out from my coach. And he said, Houston Nutt at Arkansas, I want you to come there on a visit. They got the top guys in the state coming up on this last little go round. And I knew I wasn't planning on going to Arkansas, but we had been visiting everywhere else. I had visited up there a couple times before. We figured we'd go back up there. So we get up there and um, we go in and pretty cool camp. And as we was getting ready to wind it down, they had me doing some specific, um, particular drills, some DB drills and punt return, kickoff return, stuff like that. And I remember going up um, for this high point drill with the, with, the, with the coach throwing the ball to me. And I jump for the ball and I catch it and I come down kind of funny and I tweak my knee a little bit, but I don't really think nothing of it. And we take that long drive home from northwest Arkansas all the way back down to southeast Arkansas, five hours of boredom. And on that way back down there, my knee swells up. But I don't really think too much of it. It's swole. And it kind of freaked me out for a minute, but I'm like, all right, I did something to it when I, when I came down wrong on it. But nothing big, nothing major, right? End up going to the doctor, and they said I had to my meniscus, so I'm going to need a scope. When you get a scope, that'll keep you out about two to three weeks. And we was about a, two weeks out from camp starting. So coach said, hey, get it done in about a week's time. You can rest on it. You can come back two, three games in while we're playing non-conference play. We'll start off conference play. You come back, hit the ground running. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and knock this thing out the park. So that's what I did. The scope got put off um, a week. We went to go get the scope done. And on the way down there, the car started acting up because we actually had to go to Louisiana to get the scope. We couldn't even go in Arkansas because we were closer to – bigger hospitals in Louisiana than we was going to Arkansas. So the car started acting up on the way down to the first trip. So it got prolonged. So the scope got pushed back a whole nother week, which my mom 
And I was thinking that was a sign that I probably shouldn't have got the scope done, but I can only do so much on my knee or swell up again. So we finally get down there to get the scope done. And I remember getting rolled out of the operating room and I seen kind of had this blurry vision. I was still under the anesthetics, but I seen the doctor to my right and I had my hand on my leg. And as I tapped my left leg, I felt this brace come above my heart. And I tapped the brace and I just kind of came to it and was like, hey doc, what's this brace? And when he looked at me, he said, that brace, that brace is for your ACL. And at that moment I came to, cause I'm like ACL and I lost it. I start screaming, I start yelling, my mom comes in and I'm like, mommy, repair my ACL, repair my ACL. I'm like, I wasn't here for that, I wasn't here for that. Well, come to find out, you know, you don't know this when you're not a doctor. Um, however, he says, no, your meniscus was torn, your ACL was partially torn. So if I would have stitched you up and closed you without fixing that, that would have been considered malpractice. Well, at this moment, I felt like my life came to an end. Everything I had been working for, everything that was gonna give me control, that was gonna give me the power that I needed to make my, that create my own life, create my own happiness, was just stripped away from me from a surgery that I wasn't even supposed to have. Devastated, mad, angry, upset, frustrated, you name it. And honestly, I really wasn't sure what to do. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. I knew to get out of Arkansas playing was just a couple games away from happening. I knew it was just a season away. I knew we was gonna run the table. I already knew how it was gonna work out for my life. And my plan was just stripped away from me. So at that moment, I was devastated, wasn't sure what to do. And all I could do was have this reality Cinderella story in my head. Okay, you know what, the team will play good. They'll make it to the playoffs, I'll rehab, come back in the fastest time in ACL recovery history in the history of ACLs, right? Within like two weeks, two months. I come back, make the playoffs, help the team get the state championship, in like Cinderella, still get my full ride scholarship. So I started rehabbing three times a day. So as I'm rehabbing, I'm rehabbing so much, I end up busting some staples out because I'm ahead of schedule, doing too much because my pain tolerance is so high, and they put me back even longer. So I just remember sitting in my room one day, crying, mad, angry, rehabbing. Why me, Lord? Why me? And at some point, I'm sitting there rehabbing. I heard something say to me, I gave you that stage for the glorification of my kingdom and you was using that stage for your own personal selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals. So since I gave you that stage, I had to take it away from you to get your attention. And man, I sat there and was like, you got my attention. It's not like somebody was talking to me. And at this moment, I'm like, you got my attention, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. So I'm just gonna keep doing what I'm supposed to do and I'm gonna let you work this out, Lord, because I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Like, my walk was good, but it wasn't that tight. But I was complaining enough, and I guess he, I, he heard me complaining enough, he, he answered me. So I'm sitting on the bed, I'm in high school. And I said, you know what, I'm just gonna keep rehabbing. I'm not sure what to do, but whatever happens, I'm just gonna trust in you. So sure enough, I'm rehabbing. Three weeks go by, team three and no. They end up here and I'm not coming back, I'm out for the season. They won another game, lost like the last five of the season, didn't even make playoffs. So that goes downhill. Coach Rucker, who was recruiting for Georgia, gets the job offer at Texas. He leaves Georgia, he goes to Texas. Me and Georgia stop talking. So now that Georgia opportunity for that scholarship, it's gone to Texas. All those other small schools, I had already burned bridges. They're no longer talking to me. All those schools that I had visited, heard about the injury, 
we really did. I really didn't give him. I, I, I visited, but however, we never made the conversation of, "Hey, do you want to come? Do you want to commit?" So all those conversations now off the table. Now I'm back from having opportunities to change my life, to be in control of my own happiness, to control my own freedom, to ground zero, and I'm devastated. So basketball season, I couldn't play because I, I definitely, for one, still was recovering, but for two, I never ran those 500 bleachers, so that was out the window. So that left track. I ran track just because I really wanted to see how fast I can get back with my knee. So we still, we, we, we start track season up and I'm running track, track ends. I felt a little bit better about my leg and then spring gets ready to come around for football. At this point, my time frame going to be up, but we end up getting a letter in the mail about a month, now three weeks before graduation. And it was from the University of Tennessee, a place that I never visited a place that I watched play one time, and they was actually playing Georgia in the SEC championship, I mean, for the East, and I was rooting for Georgia. <laughs> so at this moment, we had DJ Shockey, they had um, Britt Schaefer and Eric Ainge splitting time. I'm rooting for Georgia, and this Tennessee team put a whipping on Georgia. It was a heck of a game, though. So that was my only time I ever seen Tennessee play. So I get this letter and say, hey, we want to invite you up to the spring fling so you can um, get a chance to see campus and take a look and meet the coaches so at this moment I'm like I have no idea how they got my information never talked to them but this is my only shot right now so we going so I get to the University of Tennessee and it was the strangest thing when I got here campus felt different the atmosphere felt different I still can't really explain the feeling that I felt here but I had a chance to go to the stadium watch the spring game evaluate some of the guys so I'm out there looking like yeah I can get this spot I can get this spot yeah he's pretty big and I don't want nothing to do with that guy or I can beat him so so I'm up here evaluating guys after the game, had a chance to, to meet some of the players. Now I remember walk, walking back from the stadium, and a, a good friend of mine, David Holbert, said to me, hey, man, you like you belong here, man. He didn't know my situation. He didn't know nothing. So I leave him, and I get a chance to go meet Coach Foreman, Coach Caldwell, and Coach Slade in the head office. And when I walk in, um, Coach Slade and Coach Caldwell introduce themselves. I meet Coach Former, and they say, hey, um, we know you – how good of a player you are and you got the information because we actually had seen you prior to your senior year on film against two guys that were already committed to coming to the University of Tennessee. And at that moment, I'm like, what? So as of right now, we know your knee is, you're recovering from a knee injury and right now we can't offer you a full ride, but if your knee recovers and you come back to play like the player you're capable of playing, we got a full ride scholarship waiting on you. And man, that was like music to my ears. I said, sign me up. And that moment, that was my introduction to the University of Tennessee because I was committed because from that point on, I had, I had no other options. So I, I, I was ecstatic about it. So I get in the car, my mom, she's had, she said I look different. I had a different walk about me. So at that moment, I was in. So at this point, we get back to Arkansas. I'm graduating literally in like a week. I graduate, got my stuff. I left Arkansas, and I think I've probably been back once in my life since 2005. <laughs> but this is what happened. I leave there. I come in, and it happened to be coming in with the number one recruiting class in the country. So now I got this chip on my shoulder because I'm feeling a certain way. I'm here. However, I'm not here in the route that I thought I was going to get here, and I'm not here with the prestige of having my scholarship yet. So I've got a chip on my shoulder. i got something to prove. Still got a, a recovery knee. I came back from a knee. We get there in the summertime. So I literally had got to the University of Tennessee after rehabbing my knee for only seven months. 
So we did in the summertime. You got early enrollment, um, June and July, for, for, for everybody else that can get here. So I'm getting here. We go through that first summer camp. I felt like I got bigger, I got stronger, I got faster. So as soon as camp ends, literally, I go back to coach and say, hey, coach, I got bigger, I got stronger, I got faster. My knee feels pretty good. Can I get my full ride scholarship? And they looked at me and laughed, man. They were like, uh, no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you know what? I had to try. It's only right. So we, 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 we go through the season. Um, following summer, come back around. I get bigger, I get stronger, I go fast. I know my line, I know my assignment, I know my techniques, I know my reads. So camp ends. I go back to coach. Say, hey, coach. I got big, I got strong, I got fast. I know my line, I know my assignment, I know my reason, I know my techniques. Can I get my full ride scholarship? Now, guess what they tell me? Nope. Nope. <laughs> now, boy, at this point, I'm, I'm, I'm like, all right, what's going on? Because I'm getting mad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, because I'm like, Lord, you put me here, you sent this letter in the mail that I don't even know, I didn't apply for Tennessee, didn't even have Tennessee on my radar. I get here. You opened up this door for me to get here, and all of a sudden now they 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 reneging on their word. They're not giving me what they said they was gonna give me, and it was kind of surreal because that season starts. We're going through the season, and then we play this team called Air Force, and during the Air Force game, a good friend of mine, Inky Johnson, gets hurt. So Ink gets hurt. They didn't even let us know the severity of it until later on. But three days later, we finally get a chance to go visit him at the hospital. And I remember all the DBs coming in. We had a, a squad about 13 deep. But I'm up in the front. Coach Slade comes in. And everybody's coming into the room. And Coach Slade comes in. And he was like, hey, Ink, how you feeling? And this is before everybody's in there. And Ink said, I'm at peace. And I'm listening to him. I'm like, hold on. Did he just say I'm at peace? I'm like, he almost died. His arm is paralyzed. And he just said he's at peace. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm mad, angry, frustrated, upset about a scholarship and some loans I had to take that I ain't want to have to take because they give my scholarship. I said, man, I don't know what perspective he got or what piece he got, but I need to get that piece. And at that moment, I finally realized what was happening. The Lord took the football stage away from me in high school because I was using it for my own personal, selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals, right? Not focused on the bigger picture. Well, he wasn't opening the door in college because I was still focused on my own personal, selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals. So at this moment, I'm like, all right, this thing is bigger than me, clearly, and I'm missing my mess. I'm missing the message in the middle of my mess. I'm so focused on me. I'm missing the bigger message around this whole thing. So at this point, I say, you know what? Whatever PC got, I need to get it. So I got locked in with our FCA, which is Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and I stopped focusing on my own problems, start focusing on helping my teammates become better men, better, better teammates, and I decided to become a better teammate and helping these guys, because a lot of guys was coming from situations just like mine or even worse than mine. However, I was older and more mature, so I was supposed to be there helping guide them become the best men they can be, the best teammates they can be, helping them learn their plays, learn their alignments, learn their assignments, so we can be a, a good team. So when I stop focusing on myself, season goes back around, we go through camp, and, and I'm getting discipled, my, my, my walk is right, but I'm, I'm, I'm living for something that's bigger than me and not just my own personal selfish ambitions, reasons, and goals. Man, sure enough, camp comes up. I'm making tackle after tackle. I'm on every film when we're breaking down the film after the game. I'm starting to get these interviews. And all of a sudden, people start asking, hey, why is this guy not playing? Why is this guy not on scholarship? So by the time camp ends, I didn't have to go to coach. They came to me and said, hey, we're going to get this full-ride scholarship to Derek Furlow to the University of Tennessee. 
And at that moment, I finally got the bigger picture. This thing was bigger than me the whole time, but the more I focused on myself, my own problems, I wasn't able to help nobody else. So I was missing the message in the middle of my mess because I was focused on my own message. So that's the first aha moment I had during, during this journey of life. And it, it, it was kind of funny because the game had been telling me this all along. When you think about team, to get, together everyone achieves more. It's not about one player. It's about the whole team, the whole group as a whole. You can ball out, but if y'all take the loss, it don't matter. Well, I was up there trying to ball out myself and, and get my scholarship, but I wasn't doing anything I needed to be doing for my team, so I wasn't getting the results I needed to be getting. So that was the first aha moment I had. So that was incredible. So finally I get my scholarship, man, and I felt this weight of the world lifted off of me. And now, all right, okay, I can perform now because I'm truly on that level that I felt like I should have been on coming out of high school, even though I had to take the long route. So that adversity earlier had, had shaped me, molded me, and I was a better person because of it. So now we go through this whole process of having a scholarship, playing these games, I end up graduating in three years, I end up getting my master's in four years. And it's not because I was smart because you pretty much got to be at school year round, so you might as well pass the class. Um, my mom told me anyway, if you're going to do it, do it right the first time. So I figured I ain't like math, so I wasn't going to fail it and have to retake it. Might as well pass it the first time. And believe it or not, man, it worked out. I ended up getting a master's, so people think I'm really smart. So I appreciate it. <laughs> 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 but at this moment, Donnie, I started to realize um, – Something. So I go through my, 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 my junior year. Um, coach Foreman gets fired. We get a new coach, Coach Kiffin. Had a heck of a time my senior year. Um, hurt my shoulder doing camp and put a sully on it. Went through the rest of the season. Come pro day, we're coming out, we're working out. And this is that shot where you, you got that one shot at the league. And I hurt my shoulder again, actually doing bench press during a pro day. I got 15 reps of 225 and then it went out. So at that moment, I knew, hey, you're gonna have to get some doctor's opinions on it. I ended up getting five doctor's opinions and they said, hey, you're gonna have to have shoulder surgery. And I already knew that process. You have shoulder surgery, that's six months recovery. Then six months recovery, you gotta train for six months. And by this time, you out for a whole year and you ain't made no money, you ain't fed yourself. You gotta, you gotta get back in the game. So I knew that roller coaster ride wasn't for me. So I decided to, to walk away from the game and hang it, hang it up. However, I seen a lot of guys chasing this dream that I played against and that I played with. So. That year, I did these football camps with National Underclassmen come by, and we traveled, we did all these camps, and we come back, and I finally come back, and I'm like, okay, I guess I got to get a job, right? So at this moment, this is my first time life after sports moment, and I'm, see, I'm, I'm seeing guys that I play with struggle. Um, I'm seeing guys have success because they already in the NFL, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, I, I played sports. You always hear what sports teach you, but I didn't have a manual on what sports taught me. Um, I was aware of those things that sports taught me, but I wasn't sure how to put it together. So I get into the sales role with this company and they had me doing sales, full commission. So I got a full commission job and I got an online business that's commissioned. And that first year, Danny, I'm glad I grew up with nothing because I was able to live off of nothing because I ain't make nothing. <laughs> that first year I was, I was getting my tail kicked, me and my roommate, he, he, he did car sales. So at this moment, I had this, aha moment. I start thinking to myself, what did I do in sports that made me good? Like, how did I separate myself? And that's where they hit me. Sports was really preparing me for life. Now I call sports life prep, football life prep, because everything that they was te teaching me, it was teaching me those lessons in a controlled setting. Because when you think about it, in sports, you have a chance to get a big win. It teaches you how to handle those emotions when you get a big win. You get a chance to get a big loss, 
It teaches you how to handle those emotions when you get a big loss. So you can get a big win. How do you respond to it? Up or down? Do you, do you handle yourself the right way? Next time you're going to get a big loss, how do you respond to it? Up or down? So you get a chance to practice these emotional responses in football. So then all of a sudden, I started thinking about, well, it taught me how to practice. It taught me how to focus. It taught me how to learn. So I get to the sales job. I'm like, after a year, get my butt here. I said, what made me good? So that's when it all came to me, the learning formula. And, and this is what happened. I realized, how did I learn the playbook? Well, they gave us the playbook or, or the opponent. We studied it. We watched film on it. We'd go to practice and practice it. It'd be recorded while we was at practice. And then we'd go back and watch the film of us practicing it, make corrections, and go do it again with a walkthrough. Well, when I got to the sales job, after that second year, guess what I started doing? I started reading the script. I would practice, my, practice doing role playing with somebody else while we was going over the strip. It'll be recorded. So I go back and listen to it and look at it. I'll see their responses, their facial expressions. Then I will go back, make the adjustments based on what I said right or what I didn't say right. And sure enough, I went through the same process I did from football practice, learning a film and, and studying an opponent. So by the time game day came, I knew the game, I knew the script, knew the plays, knew my articles, knew my checks. But by the time a real person got in front of me that was capable of buying, I knew how they was going to respond, why they was going to respond, the emotional, the, the facial expression. Because guess what? I had, I had took the same learning formula that sports taught me and applied it over here. And at that moment, I realized sports have been teaching me everything I need to know for life. It had been showing me how to practice. It showed me how to focus. It showed me how to learn. It showed me how to make adjustments. It taught me about adversity. It taught me how to, it, it, allowed, it allowed me to practice how I was going to have these responses when stuff happened to me in life and when stuff happened to me in business. So at this moment, I'm thinking to myself, I had a conversation with Ink a couple times, Inky, and we'll be like, hey, man, you got this speaking engagement. How are you preparing for it? So he'll, he'll prepare for it, literally how we prepare for a game. I'll be preparing for sales, literally how we prepare for a game. And we start to see us have success in different areas of our lives on different levels. Well, at this moment, I'm starting to think, all these guys that play sports, why are these guys not having the same success off the field in life and in business? And then I started to realize this. It's a, they think it's a switch, and once the game is done, they turn the switch off. They don't think all those lessons, the 20 hours a week that they're practicing are relevant. And this is what I had the conclusion was, all that stuff you're doing in sports or in football or in track or in tennis or in soccer or in golf, all those things are relevant. You just got to figure out how to take it away, how to correlate it, and how to carry it over. I call that TCC. So what I did, I sat down and started thinking about everything the game had taught me, how I could take it away, how I could correlate it, how I could carry it over. And once that happened, year three, year four, year five, man, I made so much money in that place. They gave me some promotions. Next thing you know, they started changing the comp plan because we was killing it. <laughs> but then the aha set in. I started seeing a lot of my guys that I played with that was in the league, started to come out the league, and they didn't know what was next for them. I started seeing a lot of guys I played with that never made it to the league struggling to know what was next for them. And then I seen some guys that I had played with in, in, whether it was arena ball when I had a short stint arena ball in between, that they took the game so serious, they were still hoop dreaming on this, man, I'm going to make it. They still caught up in thinking that it's really going to happen. And, man, that window had closed on them. But they were so caught up in being an athlete because that's, that's who they identified with. They didn't know themselves outside of being an athlete. They didn't know the other intangibles that the game had taught them. They didn't know how to take those transferable skills and apply them to the next phase of life and business. So at that moment, man, that's when it all shifted for me. And that's what I say, you know what, this, this, this sales thing has taught me a lot, but the game has taught me so much. And I stopped thinking about what I gave the game and started thinking about what the, game gave, what the game gave me. And that's when I decided to walk away from that full-time sales gig 
and go out here and create a place where these where these transferable skills all came together in life and in business. So I, I wrote the book, What's Next? How to Transition Like a Champion. Then I created Sports Life Business University. But it's all designed to show athletes that stop thinking about what they gave the game, the blood, the sweat, the tears, the, the, the emotion that they gave the game, and start thinking about what did the game give you? The stage, a platform, uh, uh, attitude, some courage, uh, uh, education. What, what did the game give you that you can take and use to the next phase of your life? So that's kind of what made this thing come full circle from all the adversity that I had had in life and that the game had forced me to go through. And then when I finally got in life and in business, I realized the aha moment that the game was just, it was life prep. It was prepping me for everything that was going to happen in life. And if I responded accordingly in the game, I was able to use it the right way in my, in my life and my business. Dude, this is huge, man. What a freaking just killer damn story. One, I'm sorry you suck so bad at football. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, uh, you know, I'm not a big college football guy, right? Just not, I'm not a big sports guy all, all the way in, but I do know that Tennessee is one of the biggest schools, you know, in the game when, when you're up there. So um, here, here's the thing. I truly believe that our story is our success. The things that we've gone through in life, the things we've overcome, the things that we have experienced on our ride is preparing us to the next level. I got to say, dude, I absolutely you know, just think it's freaking awesome that you've taken that same thought process and are helping out a lot of these guys because, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of meeting a lot of guys who were major league baseball players, you know, played in the NFL. And here's the truth. Most of them are broke because they're getting league minimums, right? You know, and, you know, even outside those league minimums, they're not getting full playing time and everything else. So, you know, the perception is of that world is because you're balling in your terms, you know, you're making bank, right? Right. And, and the truth is, is it's, the same type of transition of somebody who first comes out of college, somebody who first comes out of the military, you know, it's the same thing transition as somebody who comes out. You didn't know what the hell you wanted to be when you go grew, you know, went into it in the first place. And now you're out and you really don't know what the hell you want to be. And you damn sure don't know how to get it. Yep. Freaking done, dude. That's, 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 that's brilliant. You know, so how, how are you getting these guys? Because, I mean, I get it. I mean, I've even had some buddies that played arena ball and I've got some fun stories wrapped around about going and busting their chops playing, you know, what we call touch football. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> you know, but and that wall hurt though, doesn't that oh, wall? Dude, dude, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Right, one, one quick story. So my brother and I go to this arena football game and uh, a buddy and I is playing on, a, is playing on the field, <clears throat> but their uh, wide receiver, who's also their cornerback, is over right next to it against the wall. He's a little bitty dude, right? And we're like, you know, because we're down there on the wall. We're like, dude, you got to go down. You got to pop somebody, man. When you go, you just got to flat out lay somebody out. And he goes, I got this, man. And he's all jacked up. He goes running down. This lineman comes out of nowhere and just pancakes. Dude, I mean, just straight pancakes. <laughs> and so the rest of the game, we kept noticing he's lining up on the other side of the field. I don't know if coach put him over there. or, But by around the fourth quarter, he finally gets back on our side of the field, and, and I'm like, dude, what the hell happened? He goes, man, y'all shut up. At least I jumped back up. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I owned your ass. Um, but, you know, and that's what I love about arena football, because you're right there talking to the players, you know, yes. uh, and giving them hell. So you, you got that. <laughs> but, you know, anytime you have that big transition in life, right, you, you got that big move. I mean, for me, it was you know, obviously going from the military to the civilian world. It was going from 20 years as a sales guy 
um, working for people, making other people a lot of money to shutting all that down and starting my own business. When you make that transition, a lot of people are kind of like, hold my beer and watch this and let me just see where I can go. They smash their head into it. They jump in and then they fail miserably. That was my story, right? Six months into my business, I'm ready to shut down the business because I have no idea how to be a business owner. Right. Right. Um, I love the fact that you're giving these guys a roadmap and saying, hey, here's how you make your next move. Here's how you apply those things. Here's how you learn those things. My question is, how are you getting to them? Right. So go. So right, right now, it's been, it's first I always started off word of mouth just because I, I played, that was one of my peers. Um, so the word of mouth was the first route. Um, and then the social media platforms has been the second route. Um, and then, well, social media included LinkedIn has been the third route. And now we just on an all out massive move to, for one, I got a program that can be used as a curriculum and taught in high school level, college and pro. So right now we're working on getting that into the right people's hands because when it comes, depending on what level you're on, you can get it implemented in different ways, different facets. So that will be the ideal way where it can be as a course because you always hear, hey, I learned this from sports, I learned this from sports. But when I was coming out, there was never a class, a book, or a course you can read, you can take to actually show you, oh, I learned this from sports. This is how it's applicable to your life and your business. So I wanted to create it. So All now right. we Let me it. ask you a tough question. Yes. When you were sitting there playing ball and you were get out of Arkansas plan. Yes. And a guy comes into the school and says, let me show you how to apply this stuff to business and life. Tell me you're listening to anything he comes out, any words that comes out of that dude's mouth. So two things, a guy never did that. Right, um, of course, no, he didn't. But if a guy did, if he said, you're not gonna make it, but this is your plan B, I'm not listening to him. If he says, hey, keep going for that goal, and while you're going, I want you to realize what the game is teaching you along the way, so whenever it ends, because by choice or by force, it's going to end because time is going to wear out at some point in time. You can take that lesson or these 12 lessons of discipline and, and, and adversity and time management, and you can apply it over here. And now you can step into this arena and be just as good in this arena as you was in that arena. I'll probably listen just a little bit more than he told me, hey, oh, yeah. Most of y'all not going to make it. A small percentage of y'all going to make it. So this is what you're going to be working on a plan B. See, nobody ain't trying to hear that. You, can, you don't come to the tennis, University of Tennessee trying to hear that. Like, no, everybody. No, no. I mean, no, you're standing in front of the room going, all right, I know you're a badass. I know you have freaking excelled in sports your entire life. Keep blowing it up. Keep right. going for it, right? Smart move. Smart yeah, move. yeah. So a, di a, a different, a different, definitely got to take a different approach with it. But shooting down, we, we, we got egos. Those egos are... are, are, are They'll help you or they'll hurt you. And most of the times when you're still in your, in your prime and you're playing, the ego gonna, gonna, is not going to benefit you the right way if the, if, the, if, the, if the message is not displayed the right way. So, right. And, and the next thing we, we're working on right now, I got a transition training pl platform that's online videos. So now guys can see it. And I'm talking them through a principle and how it applies to life and the business. So they might not necessarily be with me in person, but they can be online. They can watch it on the phone. They can watch it on the computer. So now, they speak the same language because there's a lot of programs that's coming out that, that are NCAA mandated. However, the NCAA ain't realizing they're missing the language of the athlete. Well, like, and I guarantee that the NCAA is doing it 
old school librarian video, you know, type crap because that's all they know. Right. 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 You know, and I'm not bashing them. It's just, that's the way the education system works. True story. True story. Right? So I figure if we're going to, if we're going to take a class, how about I have a class called transition one-on-one versus um, basketball that they know is applicable to them. If you're going to take a class, Hey, this is transition one-on-one. That might actually teach me something or life after sports one-on-one. That might actually teach me something that might catch my interest. If I'm going to take a class anyway for creating, I got to go to class anyway. Why not have some title that's relevant to my life um, specifically? So that's the question um, that I've been addressing. And hopefully we can get it implemented in multiple places. But, you know, at some point in time, you got to deal with some people care, some people don't care. You got some right, politics right. here. Some well, here. just make sure you do me a favor. And, you know, being a former sales guy, being a former sales trainer, um, uh, make sure you preach a lot of these guys that sales ain't a bad thing. Mm-mm. Sales is freedom, man. <laughs> a, ooh, preach. <laughs> you know, because preach. when you get in the game and you get good at it, right, and you realize that sales is nothing more than a conversation, man, sky is the freaking limit. But they're, but sales gets such a damn bad rap because they think you're shicey, they think you're greasy, they think you're whatever, right? You know, so so encourage them to, to get in the game. Come and, on. Dude, three years. That's a solid number. It takes two to three years to freaking get bank in, in sales. Dunning, that, that, that sales job I had that was full commission was the best thing I could have ever did. Yeah. Now I'm unhirable. I, I, I'll be okay not having jobs. I know I can go out here and create it by selling something. Yes. They taught me how to find a problem and fix it. Find somebody's problem or let them realize they got a problem. And then once you show them how to fix it and you got a solution to it. It's over. Over. It's simple. You got, I got something you need, period. Let me help you get it. Here's the price. So, yeah, Donnie, I'm, I'm 100% on board with you, man. That, that was the biggest, scariest thing I ever did is going full-time commission. But once I figured it out, it was just like being a freshman in, in, in football, not playing and trying to figure out how you're going to get on the field or how you're going to start, how you're going to be good. But once I figured it out, ball game. Yeah. Well, and, you know, you put in there that as long as these guys embrace humility – you know, because, because ego's a bitch. You know, you've been on top of the world, but on top of the game, you know, coming from small towns where you were the, the number one guy, you know, all that kind of thing. And now you're, you're looking at the world and what they're not embracing is you're just starting. Life is just starting. Come on. You've been living that, that, that awesome fantasy ride of sports and games. Beautiful. It's fun. But now it's time to go to work. True story. Right. I 100% agree. So that's um one of the – definitely one of the tools I, I want to help guys realize. Um, but first things first is is helping them get over this whole identity crisis. I believe a lot of them suffer yeah. with what I like to call identity jail because you don't know who you are outside of what you do. And they make right. those things one. And once that game over, it can get real dark and lonely if you don't know who you are. Because I know when I came out and I transitioned, you feel like you – let people down. You feel like you're ashamed because you didn't make it. If you didn't make it to the league, you feel like you didn't live up to the hype or the dream or you, you, you feel like the ego of you letting yourself down and you let people down around you holds it puts it. You, you create the problems yourself. It's all internal problems. You, you create them all yourself. You, you stop like going around people because you think they're going to say something to you. Oh man, you make it to the league. You, you can't be our friend. And really you avoid those people off some self, Stuff you creating in your own head, and they might necessarily be thinking of that because you don't think about it from the outside looking in. You've done some things they never could do, or you might have 
achieve stuff that they might want to achieve. And, and most of those people are now going, dude, he played for the University of Tennessee, or right? You know, they're, exactly. they're bragging because you made it farther than they did. Exactly, exactly. So that's the identity jail, man. Um, that's the first problem most guys have. Actually, believe it or not, Dunn, since I've been, since the book has been out, I mean, it's been touching people. The whole, the whole principle of transition like a champion, that applies in every phase of life. Like you said, military, you could have been a doctor for 20 years and decided to stop being a doctor. I done came across so many people that when it came down to transitioning, they didn't know what was next for them. So the book, just take these athletic principles and you can apply it to any phase, any profession, whatever it is, because the transition principles, they don't change. The only thing about it is I just give it to them from an athletic perspective. Right. And most people, definitely salespeople, you get a lot of motivation stuff from athletics and you reference a lot of stuff from athletics. So it just happened to work out by default. But when it comes down to the transition formula, man, this thing apply to anybody. Yeah. I, I, I put it up against anything, anybody, because I know it works. I done used it. Inky done used it. It was funny. He used it. I saw it get implemented while I was writing it. He was using it. And then we had a conversation about it. And when I broke it down to talk to him, he was like, yeah, you're right. But it was innate in him. Some right. people don't even realize that is a formula tool, but he got it. And all guys don't get it. Um, whether it's in, in, in sports, whatever, whatever is in military, because I've, I've had people approach me about helping do some stuff with the military, and I want to help do that because they, they help us survive for this freedom, and a lot of guys are coming back and not in the best situation. Right. Why not have a program that can help them transition like a champion as well? So the transition phase, we're in, we, every, every day is a transition. So, 100%, 100%. so we, we, I believe we're on to something big. We just got to continue to let – it get in the right hands and people to understand this is a simple formula. You just got to realize what it was. And I was fortunate enough that I didn't miss my message in the middle of my mess and being playing safety allowed me to, I, I, I always had to see and make course corrections for everybody else. Cause if they got, if they, if they got beat deep and I got beat deep and it's my fault period. So with this book, it, it gives those course corrections and it kind of showed it a bigger, bigger feel. And if you know what the mistakes are at, you don't have to make those mistakes. Right. So, um, I believe it's really going to impact a lot of people. I agree, man. I agree. I freaking love this. So where's all this going to take you, man? You know, so, I, I don't know where it's going to take me, man, but wherever, wherever it's going to take me, I, I, I just know I want to bring a whole lot of people with me. And um, in the process, I just want to make sure I impact, inspire, and empower people along the way. I, I feel like I was here to impact, inspire, and empower people. That's my purpose here on earth. Um, and the Lord revealed that to me after he realized football was just a temporary stage my permanent purpose. I was thinking football was my permanent stage. And he was like, nah, I'm gonna give you this so you can go do something else. Um, and it took me a couple of times to realize it. And most athletes in general think this, this football stage is a permanent purpose, but I realized it's my temporary stage for a permanent purpose. And I found my permanent purpose and that's the impact, inspire and empower, empower people. However, this book and these programs are just tools that's gonna allow me to do it. So I'm not sure what it's gonna take us, man. I just, I just wanna do my job. So when I, my time comes for me to go, the product and the vision and the dream that I was put here with, it don't die with me. Huge, huge. Well, I got to tell you, Derek, this has been one hell of a conversation, man. I've really, really enjoyed this ride, man. And, and I, I applaud you. And I'm actually really stoked that to, to see you implement and put this all in place, man. It's going to be a fun journey to continue to watch, you know, and don't worry, I'll be somewhere up in the bleachers heckling your ass the entire time. So, so, so good on you, brother, man. I, I absolutely love this, man. Here's how I like to wrap up every show. And I do stump some people with this. So, so stand by on that. Um, if you were going to leave the champions who listen to the show, 
people in 78 countries around the world that are going through it. You know, maybe they're going through their transition. They're going through their tough time. They're stacked up against it. If you were going to leave them with a quote, a phrase, a saying, a mantra, something they can take with them on their journey, especially in that dark time when they're stacked up against it, what would be that quote or phrase you would say? Remember this. I got a couple, um, but I would probably go with this one right here. Adversity can either be your crutch or your catapult. Mm, I love that. I love that. Derek, this has been an honor, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to get to know you. Glad to hear your story. And dude, keep blowing shit up because you've got a lot of great things coming down your way, man. I appreciate you, Dunny, man. Thanks for the opportunity to be on, on Success Champions, man. And I'm, 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 I'm humbled and, and grateful to get a chance to connect with you, man, and look forward to the big things you got going down, going down the pipeline as well, my man. Awesome, brother. And the ground is no place. A champion, a champion, a champion, a champion. Oof, what a cool episode. Man, Derek is a cool guy. I, I love the conversation. I love what he's doing. And it's, and it's really going to be cool to continue to watch his journey and his ride. Yeah, you guys, come hang out with us in the group Success Champions. It, it, it's a phenomenal place to interact, have some fun, and really surround yourself with other badasses who are unleashing and going for it in their life. If you will step into you know, your greatness, it is so much easier to run and go big when you're surrounding yourself with others who are running right alongside with you. So go to Facebook, up in a search box, type in success champions, click on groups will be the first one that pops up. Jump in, come say hi and hello. Thanks for tuning in guys. I love you. I appreciate you. If you could do me one favor, share this episode with a friend, right? Or, or leave me a review. That's the bloodline to make this whole thing works. I appreciate you guys. Keep running and gunning. We'll talk soon. Kevin and I have a lot of fun each week recording these episodes and sharing our best thoughts and ideas with you all. Man, we're just proud to, to have you guys as listeners always tuning in. And we really appreciate the messages. We get the DMs, the emails, and the likes from you guys with questions and ideas for future shows. And that just means the world to us. We really are changing how the world networks. We've poured our heart and soul into Success Champions networking, and it continues to grow. So if you haven't checked out a chapter and you're looking for a mastermind group of pure, absolute badasses that understand that giving introductions are way more powerful than referrals, go to successchampionnetworking.com and request a visit. And thanks for being you. Thanks for being a champion of your success, because that's what it means to be a success champion.